How are we starting this? Do we need to record the intro? Oh, we do need to record the intro. Okay, are we doing yes. that now? <laughs> How about we take turns? I can... Okay, I've sort of memorized... Oh my God, what was that? What have you done? I, I, I did not do anything. <laughs> no, one of the lights. Uh, yeah, one of the lights have fallen off. Hang on. Well, that one could make, make something up. Would you like to no. fluff something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe something like um, a two-part chat about... Wait for it. Conducting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll say it exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, this got to um, be in the blooper. This is, this is going to be in the blooper. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm saying it. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Welcome to Composers in a Jukebox, a podcast that brings together a special breed of musicians in a conversation about their craft. Today, we as composers are engaging in a two-part chat about, wait for it, conducting in a recording studio. We would like to thank Podcast Room for providing us a chance to record in their lovely studio today. Fantastic! Okay, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was- <laughs> Welcome back to part two of Composers... Composer Wait, conductors what? in a jukebox. <laughs> Composer conductors in a jukebox. That's what we are. Okay. Um, and for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, hello. Welcome to our chat. This is Darren Leventon Jolene here with Hi. you today. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, we are a really interesting trio. It feels like self-bragging, but we really are interesting. <laughs> uh, all of us work fundamentally as composers um, in the film and concert industry but we also engage in a fair amount of conducting either you know leading musicians in uh, performance or recording of our own music or of other people's music and that's what we're talking about today <laughs> what was the last thing that you conducted i think that was the aforementioned session for billy oh no no oh. it was a session for alessandro quite quite a diverse range of of, of styles he did like a big band jazz um, oh, that's fun. Track then, like more more typical film music as well. Mm. Um, that was that was a fun one. Yeah. Was that in the Bell Shankman? That was in the Bell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that seems cool. Jolene, what about you? I think the last time I remember recording something and conducting it was a year ago for my uh, rescore on Spring, uh, mm. an animation. We got it from the Q2. Remember? Yeah, absolutely. I see. I mean, for me, it was uh, it was a wind orchestra concert that I led about three weeks ago. You, you mean um, the one in Singapore? No. So I did. I feel like I've been spending like this past month doing so many wind orchestra stuff. <laughs> uh, I led um, a volunteer wind orchestra in Singapore. Um, Raffles Winds, that's what they call themselves, ah. uh, in a concert. So that was fun. <laughs> that was, it's always really enjoyable welcoming them. Um, but the most recent thing I did was um, a concert in the RCM. I came back um, as an alumni. They were meant to program my piece in the concert, and they did. Um, but what happened was we were, we were meant to have two rehearsals, um, Monday and Tuesday that week and concert on Wednesday. But the first rehearsal on Monday was cancelled because of a massive state funeral. Or the Queen, oh. <laughs> as we all know about. So the conductor, Natalia, who was also my former conducting teacher, she approached me a few days before, like six days before the concert. And she was like, um, okay, so we're losing 50% of our rehearsals. Um, 
we have to cut the program and I'm not cutting a piece. However, since you're the composer, you can probably be the one um, who will, you know, you're the person who will be able to rehearse the piece in like literally 50% of the time um, because you know the piece inside out. So would you like to conduct it instead? Um, and I said, yes, hoping that I wouldn't regret my decision. <laughs> and uh, I didn't regret my decision. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. That's yeah. Amazing. So we're talking about um, conducting in the studio. And one of the things that we often face in that sort of situation uh, is time constraints. Because we're trying to get the best possible take. It's a psychological thing. You know, like we want to get the perfect take within a certain amount of time. And often what can seem like a lot of time does not seem like a lot of time. How do you approach planning and conducting a session to get everything you need within the available span of time? I'd say it starts with composing already. Um, like having the players in mind when you do it. Then if you, this is the music prep guy and me talking yeah. right now, laying the parts out in a way that it's easily understandable, like just make it easy for the eye and like easy to, to comprehend because at the end of the day, the conductor can only do so much. So preparation before the session even begins, before the <laughs> conductor even receives the, um, the score is, um, I think, already half. Um, and then um, when you're actually going to conduct, um, I, th I think it's good to have a plan. But what I'm seeing a lot with uh, with people um, who don't do it a lot is they they make a plan and then they stick to the plan no matter what. Mm. Not a good idea, especially if you don't know the musicians that well or the venue where it's being recorded. Um, it's it's absolutely vital to have a plan. But I always like I I'm still sp spontaneous on the podium, <laughs> and if I see something doesn't work. Well, I, I then I have to make something else up as as we go. Uh, but thinking about it beforehand is 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 good because you already have different scenarios in your head, different things you could try. Um, but not not think about the plan as the most important thing because there's people I've I've seen it actually. <laughs> there, there's people uh, thinking, okay, this this bit that's difficult for the violins. Mm -hmm. We're gonna work on the intonation. They play it, they nail it, and then they would say, "Okay, let's let's work on the intonation, regardless of if it's actually needed or not." <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, list, listen to what's actually happening and adapt your plan to 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 that um, is the best strategy, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a really really good shout, um, and it's nice. It's an interesting point of view that you know planning for a session and notating music or thinking about a session while writing your music um, is so valuable mm -hmm. um, just because it can, you know, it, it does make a difference. Let's do a, let's do a quick fire round. What is the number one thing you think about in score preparation? Don't forget the bar numbers on the parts because <laughs> you can be, you can be the best conductor It'll, it'll be worth nothing because it's just, it won't work. Like, mm. make sure they have bar numbers. Yeah. Jolene? Well, be careful of, like, if you have, like, you know, all those um, 
performance directions and stuff, it has to be clear. And, you know, sometimes the um, the softwares we use, they sometimes the words just bounce off to another bar or just go off somewhere else. Yeah, yeah make sure it's so all annoying. Correct. Do you write with magnetic layout? Yeah. Okay. So I use Sibelius and the I actually, me and uh, a composer, I think you might know him from the New York um What's, what's the, what's the NYU the, film scoring? Yeah, uh, he yeah. actually uh, participated in it. His, his, his name is Robert. Mm. So we actually write to get, uh, write like a piece together, which will be released very soon. I'm not going to spoil anything. Mm. So I was doing the score, score prep and like it was annoying because like we are just, I'm just like making sure everything's right. And then every time when you export as parts and then everything just gets jumbled out and it's just so... <laughs> It's annoying. But yeah, yeah. Ab ab about that. Yeah. Um, that's where uh, a good template comes in handy, where everything's set up. Um, like the, the parts are basically already laid out without having any music in it. So if you if you then just dump the music in, it'll instantly look beautiful and you don't have to do like a lot of stuff. Oh. So you can actually, you, you can do that beforehand and you save a lot of time. And a lot of hassle. Actually, I would that's, do that, yeah. it, it is really annoying. I've, I've struggled with that a lot before. Well, you can show <laughs> um, me a template later. That would be very, very good. Thank we'll you do. so much. <laughs> Yay, problem solved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, does, it does help. And, like, not just templates for scores, but templates for doors as well. Yeah. Like, especially when, you, when it comes to, you know, creating tempo maps and and your click track and, and click stuff. tracks and yeah and we only have a limited amount of time so why would we waste it doing repetitive things that we like set it up once and then you'll be happy forever yeah isn't that what Actually, we all want <laughs> the one thing that i've that i've been trying out recently at least for this past year um with with regard to templates like i so i use cubase mm -hmm. um and we see a lot of composers out there um who have like and and it, it makes perfect sense like that was you know uh to have orchestral templates so all of the instruments every single uh sample library or sample patch is is there and it, it takes like five minutes to load and but you have it and you just need to choose the right one and use it when at the appropriate point but i've kind of been working with uh, a blank template in that um i've got the uh, I've got the tempo map set up. I've got all the markers set up, um, but with the instruments, they're just there as blank instruments. Mm. Um, but they're all loaded. They're all rooted, and um, sort of like you know they're, they're all rooted. It's not mixed, so everything is at you know zero dB. But I think like I feel just personally that gives me a lot more room for um, creative thought um, because you know you're not instantly looking at a picture and reaching out for the violins yeah. at first or the piano or the soft piano <laughs> uh, instantly you you are thinking about color and your your face it's almost like looking at a blank manuscript um and I, i think that really helps it just takes a bit more time if you need to reach out for an instrument to load contacts or to load spitfire oh yeah uh but yeah that sounds good i mean th there is no perfect solution Like it's always a compromise, yeah. But I, I, I guess if you say that it makes you more creative and like makes you think about more, more about the the, the colors and everything, then go that sounds it. like the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's. 
I guess it works for like, you know, more sort of chamber settings, like, you know, if you're writing for small instrumentations and if you, if you do have time and space to sort of, you know, think about doing each part. But of course, if you're writing an orchestral cue, uh, then basically the instrumentation is there for you already. And that's when you reach out for an orchestral template, which I do have as well. <laughs> so yeah, that's just, that's me as a composer. But um, back to conducting. So right. we've got... <laughs> going a little far but not too far yeah no but that's, it all ties into each other yeah, yeah that's that's the thing about being a composer conductor you think about all these things in a manner that is correlated but okay so when you're in a session and you're faced with multiple cues each with their own challenges do you record them chronologically or in a you know jumbled order and what are your considerations the way I I usually do it is start with something nice and easy. Um, like, especially if the musicians never played before, played together before. Um, like, just just have them experience themselves as a group and the, the kind of music that we're doing. That's something that's that's rather easy. Then I'd rather quickly go to something more complicated and get those big chunks out of the way. Mm. Um, and then um, I also always think about what's enjoyable for the players. I know I'm. Uh, <laughs> if a, a lot of people are only going by difficulty, but I'm also like, what keeps them engaged? Mm. And that's not necessarily um, dependent on, on, on the difficulty. Um, so I'm trying not to have them only play whole notes by the for the last hour of the session or so. Yeah. Um, Do you end off with the most interesting piece? <laughs> um, I try to. Either that or, um, like, going by priority. Um, so if, if there's something I'm not sure I'm going to get to because it's so much music, um, obviously I'll, I'll put that at the end. Even if it's kind of goes against what, what I would want to do is like uh, end with a killer piece, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah, so, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Um, interestingly, what I've um, seen in a lot of sessions recently, though, is that they go by by score order. Um, either Either that or if there's particularly complicated cues or that are particularly important um, they would maybe put them in the beginning but other than that stick with with the actual score order yeah. um, do you think it makes it easier to track especially in a large session where you have yeah if you have like 40 cues I, I guess it makes it a bit easier though um, it really shouldn't shouldn't matter <laughs> you, you should have somebody in the booth or your, your plan should be... Depends how long you're writing. If you're writing up until the session and orchestrating or whatever, you might not have enough time to think about yeah. order, <laughs> order that much. Um, but if you're organized beforehand, you know how many cues there are and uh, you just print off a spreadsheet or whatever and you have somebody in the booth just ticking off stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, can, it can work either way. Um, it's just something I've noticed that recently people are doing is, is going more in score order. Mm, absolutely. Jolene, do you have any thoughts? Would you do it the same way or 
Would you approach it in a different way? I, well, well, I I would just do it with difficulty, like mm. what uh, what I mentioned, and I guess. I, I like I like the idea of keeping them engaged. You know, you don't want them like what Levin said. Long notes, kind of boring. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a great point. Yeah. Actually. It actually kind of gives you like oh, you should do something else rather than long notes. <laughs> <laughs> if we are recording like with the winds or something, maybe I would record those first. Yeah. You know because it's uh, tiring. Yeah. I, I mean, you as actually a that that does that. spark an interesting question. Uh, how often do you split the like? So if you if you're recording an orchestra or a chamber orchestra, how often do you split them up into like you know strings and winds and brass and percussion, or do you often record everything at once? Like under what sort of circumstances would you do that? I'd say it depends a lot on the space. If you have a small recording space that can only fit so many people, obviously there is no other of other possibility than uh, recording all the sections separately also if you want to like to process the stuff in in interesting ways it might make sense to have have more separation and uh, and re record separately because it can do uh, a lot of cool things with that afterwards <laughs> um, but if it's like a traditional orchestral score and you do have the space I don't see why you would separate. I like. I would always go for uh, go for the whole orchestra because yeah. again, talking about uh, uh, musicians being engaged, it's more fun for them as well. If they they're all there. hearing what it actually is, then just just their bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The way the way they play will be different as well in context because then you know they've got more to respond to. Because it's like, I do remember there was a period of time where, like in the middle of COVID, where we all had to do, well, not had to, but a lot of us were engaging in uh, multi-track virtual recordings and stuff like that. Mm. And it felt so different. It was like, you know, even though we were playing a piece with an ensemble that will come through post-production and stuff like that, it didn't feel like we were playing with an ensemble at all. And I guess in a similar way with you know, a session that's split up in, in their sections, the less you have to respond to the decisions that people make or that even we make as composers and conductors are going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Context. yeah. And um, so with the whole, so back to, back to, you know, time constraints and stuff, do you have any you know, hot tips on rehearsal techniques or recording techniques that you may adopt in order to get the best result in a short span of time. I mean, yeah, you. you I don't know. I'll say. I'll say. I like to hear from Evan. Okay. 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 Again, um, quick fire round. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, you. You already said the word rehearsal is something that's not uh, not done a lot in yeah. recording sessions, which I think is a shame because sometimes it going for takes and takes and takes. Uh, it, it's a waste of time if you if you have one bit that that worked in the first take already. Why why do it five times when you could spend the time actually making what's not working already, making that work? Um, that of course it, it, it's necessary that you know what what's not working and why it's not working. If you don't know, then okay, there there aren't many alternatives to just. 
doing it again and hoping that the musicians will figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but depending on the music, there's just some things you can't sight read mm. um, and that you'll, you'll have to rehearse um, to, to get a proper take out of it, if, even, even if it's professionals. Like, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's students or, or professionals. Um, some, some things aren't, yeah, they, they, they can't be sight read. Um, so I'd say for those things, definitely take the time and, and rehearse them. Um, have them played a bit slower, like uh, to, to really give them the chance to, to read the read, <laughs> read what's there. Um, yeah. And then you'll see second take already will be a lot better. Um, it's it's easy and, and sounds obvious, but I, I see a, a lot of people don't do it. And it's mm. it's a shame because it, it it helps and it saves you time. So do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I I'm an absolute sucker for rehearsals. I love breaking things down with the musicians. And if and there's time, like if that, there's time, they they like that too. Yeah. That's that's the thing. If you're doing five takes and they don't know what they should do differently, they feel like why we're we doing this again. Um, <laughs> maybe already. Like they they get annoyed by the third take and then you're doing five and by the fifth take they've they've lost every respect they had for you. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, just just try to be supportive to them. Also, if if they're struggling, help them, give them an opportunity to to figure things out. Mm. That's wise. That's a wise. That that is very wise. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> I had this really interesting uh, experience just a couple of months ago. Uh, I wrote a piece for Wind Quintet and recorded the piece. It's a concert piece of concert music um, in a studio. So no click, no picture. It was just us. Um, and we, so we broke it down. The Wind Quintet was, it had sort of seven short movements that linked to one another. So it's a taka, mm-hmm. um, but recorded each movement separately and then, sort of stitch them all together in post-production. Um, and at the start of the session, we were like, so guys, how many takes do you think we'll get? We just made a bet uh, and we came to the conclusion that we would do, it was ridiculous. We didn't we didn't believe it, but we were like, yeah, we just shot number 20 and we we're like, yeah, okay, you know, let's go on and see what it is, 20 takes. Ah, yeah, you know, we probably won't hit it. And at the end of the session, it was a two hour session, uh, exactly. 20 takes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was that was just that was really cute. <laughs> anyway, you're about to say something, Jolene, just now about rehearsal. Oh yeah, so. yeah. So I it was an experience last year. So when I was gathering our friends to, you know, record for my session, I, I had like a octet to record and a, a score. Mm. So they were very insistent in doing rehearsals and they were very kind enough to actually book the room. And then they were practicing together. I was just sitting there and listening to them and then giving them what I want. Mm-hmm. And during the recording session, I think Levin, you were there. That was a spring thing, wasn't it? Spring and, oct- and an octet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah I was in the booth for that. That That's one true. was yeah. fun. And funnily enough, we, we actually ended the recording session really early, like an hour early, because everyone just had their rehearsal. But... Obviously, in our situation, when we're doing like films and stuff, <laughs> there's no way they're gonna get get together. It's very rare, isn't it, yeah. to end that? Yeah. Like they love actually meeting with each other and they're just you know playing together because they like you know 
chamber stuff and yes. Pierre like the chamber stuff, everyone like the chamber stuff. There, and is, there is a significant difference when players have chemistry yep. with each other. Like, you know, especially, I mean, we talk about recording with a pre-established ensemble that have been playing together for years or for months versus recording uh, with a, a group of session musicians who have never seen each other before and they have to team up really quickly. Yeah, it's always very interesting to observe the differences. Yeah, there is a big difference, especially when they know the cues from each other. It's easier. We've got just one final question mm-hmm. for the day, one final prompt. Uh, and I think this will be a fun one. Uh, again, let's let's go in a round. So a quick fire round. Okay. Maybe, maybe maybe let's change the direction of that round. So we'll start with Jolene. Then oh, you want me to start? Is that <laughs> um, Best... And worst experiences conducting oh your gosh, own music. Oh my go. God, oh my God. <laughs> best and worst. Best and worst. So do we say the worst first or we say the best first? It's up to you. <laughs> I actually need to think about my response <laughs> to that. Okay, best. Let, let's talk about the best yeah. one then. Um, conducting, right? Um, <laughs> the best one was... Um, let's see. Uh, it wasn't... Actually, it was an RCM. Mm. Uh... What were we doing again? Uh, we were conducting. Yeah, it was the, it was the spring piece. That one was really good because everyone was really well rehearsed, and then um, we really get on point easily. And even though we only have like eight people for that giant orchestral piece, <laughs> it it really helped the the music so well. You, you know, recording and MIDI instruments. You know, it does help if you layer them together. Well, worse. Uh, okay, it was. It was not a recording, but I had to conduct. It was for my concert. What happened was someone did not turn up, like in the in the concert. I specifically asked for like a, a trumpet person to come in to play a jazz piece with me. Did not turn up. Um, no show. I even bought dinner for them. Like I bought each and every one like uh, a lunchbox, and. Um, bubble tea mm. because it was in Taiwan because everybody likes every, everybody likes bubble tea and that person did not turn out we didn't have a trumpeter and no one could replace so I was panicking because I really need that trumpet so um, we ended up not using it and then we got someone else to solo in, instead and you know jazz trumpets it's slightly different I could have gotten my other trumpeter but he was like only classical stuff I can't really force him to go into jazz and play like solo something it's not really his thing so yeah yeah, yeah. good on you for finding a solution <laughs> by not getting the trumpet <laughs> 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 all right 11 right um my best experience was actually what i was talking about earlier like the first time i, I ever conducted even if, if when, when i'm looking at that today the, there's like video recordings of that it's dreadful i'm like <laughs> how did you summon the courage to actually to step in front of a professional orchestra, never having conducted before, never having composed a film score, like yeah. I, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> send it to us. We'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah, I really want to watch it now. What was the film you're conducting to? Um, that was a fun one. It was um, a kind of was nature scenes mostly, like um, time lapse of of mountains and and oh. like beautiful seas. I think in Latvia or. Or oh. um, um, yeah, some some really really beautiful shots, and I just wrote some grand music to it, <laughs> um, and yeah, that was that was just amazing. And uh, 
yeah, as I, as, as I said, it's, it's the reason I'm, I've pursued this, uh, this path as a, as a film composer. The worst thing, <laughs> actually, similar situation, um, was in a concert for, uh, for a film. Again, no click, no, no anything. Um, that was, uh, I think, a 15-minute short film or something like that that I wrote the music for. And we had concerts on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday went beautifully. Like, I've, I was really happy. The musicians were great. We were in sync with the film. Um, was absolutely amazing. Then came Sunday. Um, I was sleep deprived and I didn't oh really, <laughs> I didn't really feel it that day. <laughs> and then in the middle of the film, to this day, we don't know how it happened. The film jumped 30 seconds ahead. Oh, no! no! Oh. And, <laughs> and I was like, what do you do now? Am I... There was really only two options. Like either... Because I had put letters and stuff. Do you just shout in a letter and we, we go from there? Or do I actually try to catch up with the film? <laughs> um, I decided for the letter. And like bashed through uh, <laughs> uh, through that path and the musicians they were looking at me like <laughs> but they were amazing because they they did exactly what i did like oh. I, i went twice the speed they they went along with it even though they were used to a completely different tempo and then we eventually caught up with the <laughs> film and uh, i spoke to people afterwards uh, They didn't, didn't realize the they thing. didn't they didn't realize <laughs> oh, anything Marga, went wrong oh whoa. Um, except for the people who had been there on saturday those were like okay <laughs> interesting version <laughs> did um, the musician realize what's going on af only after you told them no if they they went to me afterwards and like, what, what, what was that <laughs> what was going on <laughs> um but yeah that that was that was super stressful um and and no click. i i kind of don't know how i how i managed to Like be so so quick about m making that decision and and like uh, um, trying to solve it because I was like barely alive that night. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we made it, and in the end, it was it wasn't that bad. But it was if in the moment it was like no. That was, that was an no. epic story. That's that was, yeah. I, <laughs> that, that honestly was the best. Yeah. <laughs> We should end the podcast right here. Yeah. We haven't heard yours. Mine, honestly, it pales in comparison to Levin's. Okay. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't think I've had, I don't think I've had a tragic experience conducting my own music. Like, most of them have been really inspiring. Mm. So that's nice. I've had stressful experiences and the Great Exhibitionist Project was one of them. Because of all the different, I mean, okay, so to be kind to listeners out there, uh, we spoke about a particular Great Exhibitionist um, project that I did over the past year, which required a lot of um, small bits and pieces that came together. Um, and just planning the whole thing and scheduling everything, getting different people into the studio and on set at different times was stressful. And I did it, I think, yeah, I think I was given like five days to plan that whole thing um, oh. it all we did it and it all turned out well i think the one of the best experiences i've had um was actually with a group called the raffles winds i think we spoke with them briefly yep, just now yep, yep. they are uh a volunteer orchestra 
wind orchestra in Singapore. Um, and I'm, as much as I'm a film music composer, I'm also a contemporary music composer, a concert, contemporary classical concert music composer as well. Uh, and I wrote a piece um, that's titled Baby Bird in the Forest. It is a piece for winds that requires all musicians to play entirely on their mouthpieces. So they don't touch the instruments at all, but they do things like, and it's all notated, like rhythms are notated. Um, you have like like glisses, pitch bends and stuff like that. And um, I decided to program not, uh, it's been premiered before, but I decided to program that and conduct it with the Raffles Winds, um, a group that has never encountered that sort of thing before. Um, they're not used to contemporary music. They've not seen that sort of stuff. They've not seen that kind of notation. Um, but I was like, let's try it and let's see how it goes. And the first few rehearsals were a complete mess. <laughs> no one knew anything. But the thing about working with an amateur group like that is that you have so much time to psych them into seeing and experiencing the joys of playing that sort of music uh, and to, f to find logic in the piece as well. Um, and it turned out, to be a really, really solid performance of Baby Bird in the Forest, probably even better than the premiere in some ways. Wow. So that's what I meant. I mean, I've, I'm always constantly inspired by the musicians that I work with, uh, no matter how stressful the sessions or the rehearsals or the performances are. That's me. I think we all feel that way. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're composers. We work in isolation very often <laughs> just sitting by ourselves in the room but yeah there's always something very special about being out there with musicians and making music as a team recording a podcast as a team working with filmmakers as a team and that's why we do what we do and we love it and we love it Definitely. we absolutely do um i guess that's all that's about all the time we have <laughs> for the podcast uh thank you so much for tuning in all of our listeners out there uh it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and with the both of you as well, Aww. more than anything else. What a great way to start a Sunday morning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> True that. Talking about the things we like. Just and I was drinking last night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how great is it, like, just sitting in a room, having a chat like we do at the pub and calling this a podcast? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But it's a... Very good podcast, if I might say so myself. I mean, you enjoyed at, it. Look, look at it. We, yeah. we are just talking about all of our experiences. I mean, we, it's yeah. also it's it's cool to to take the time to actually reflect upon these things, rather than like what we usually do, going to the next project and next project, <laughs> and not not like really having the time also to to like um, to think that much about the past. It's it's there's yeah. always like yeah. new stuff, so it's cool to like, bring, bring <laughs> these things up again and oh yeah that, that was like that and yeah. yeah it was like that and like, like i mean you know it's it's a very fast-paced occupation that we're in so yeah that was that was a hell of a point <laughs> <laughs> and uh before we close today um we are for again for listeners who are out there and who can't see us because they're listening to us um we're actually in a new venue yeah. uh, often us as you know a team from composers in a jukebox we record podcasts in the comfort of our own living room but today we are in a very special space that's hosted by a brilliant company called podcast room and we're extremely thankful to 
be able to be in this space sitting on sofas <laughs> and we got really good equipment yes having lovely equipment being lit up so well it's an absolutely lit venue if i may say if you're interested <laughs> do check out podcast room yes yep and they're great been, absolutely they've been so generous um very helpful and really yeah. welcoming towards us it's our first day here and that's been really nice thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>